0: Oh Another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio Brought to you by M3S3 Clothing Men Make Moves and Suckers Stand Still And as always on the mighty, mighty, mighty Nerf DJ's Radio Network Come on man, it's redundant It's every week, it's legend after legend after legend But today... We got a special legend in the building. I'm tongue-tied and can't even say it. We got one of the greatest actresses to ever get in front of a camera. She has got a resume that will compete with your favorite actress and make her look bad. She's a poet. She's a promoter. She does everything except cut the grass, and I haven't asked her yet. She might do that, too. Thank you for stopping by. We got <laughs> Thank the Queen. you for having
1: me. Thank you so <laughs> no, no. much.
0: We got Elle Brianna joining the conversation. How you doing, Queen? And how's your family?
1: I am blessed. We are blessed. Thank you so much for asking.
0: And do you cut the grass, by the way? Just no, pieces.
1: I would never. <laughs>
0: I don't cut the grass either. (laughs) i I pay somebody. As you should. As you should. I don't like that shit. How's life? You know, um, how's things going?
1: Life is great. But life be lifing, but life is great.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm not mad at that. Yo, I had the opportunity to watch your interview on 10 Bridge. I think it's 10 Bridge's show. Yep, yep. Thank you. Yeah, like your man, like just like I like shit i don't know what what to talk about at this point like, like dude he really did shout out to him he did a phenomenal job
1: shout out to tim bridge yes yes great 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 podcaster
0: where do we start at the beginning or uh what you just dropped
1: whatever you want wherever you want to start
0: uh, let's let's start what you just dropped and go backwards
1: okay uh, i'm dyslexic so that just... works
0: <laughs> really
1: <laughs> i'm self-diagnosed but i'm more than sure that i am
0: Okay, so that... <laughs> all right, right. Um, so what movie just came out that you, you dropped?
1: Well, it has not hit Tubi just yet, but it did premiere October 15th. It is Justice, the movie that I wrote, directed, and executive produced and also starred in. It is a DR2 production, and it should drop on Tubi be, uh, before Christmas.
0: DR2 as in Dennis Reed?
1: Yes, Dennis Reed Productions.
0: Okay, wow. Okay. Definitely one of the heavy hitters uh, in the city, um, and I got a chance to interview uh, Thomas L. Harris a couple hours ago. That's he my says, boy. He that he well he said basically uh, that's my girl. Tell him <laughs> I said what's up. So let me get that one out the way. Why acting? What what does it for you?
1: since I was a so backstory, my grandparents raised me and my grandfather used to always watch all the black and white movies. And me and my grandfather were very, very close. I was always up under him. So I would watch all of the um, Henry Fonda movies and Dorothy Dandridge and Brock, uh, Brock Peters and Marilyn Monroe, Audrey Hepburn, Grace Kelly, all those movies, uh cat on the hot Tin Ruth with um, Liz Taylor, Um, All About Eve, all those old-fashioned movies were just, I loved them. Uh, It was the black and white for me, I think, that always struck me because you couldn't see beyond the surface. You know, you just had to see it for what it was. And I'm really fond of black and white pictures and movies because its um, you have to look beyond the color. You know what I'm saying? So I Love Lucy was one of my favorite shows growing up, uh, which is why I originally dyed my hair ginger eight years ago. Uh, Lucille Ball is the epitome of, com- of comedic uh, timing. Uh, she broke barriers uh, for women in television during a time where women weren't wearing were pants. Men and women weren't sleeping in beds with each other. So um, I just always loved the imagination of things, too. So
0: Okay, and when did you get your start?
1: Ooh, second grade. I was Rosa Parks, Macy Jemison Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Bay Jefferson Academy.
0: In 2nd grade they did the whole Rosa Parks?
1: Yes. I went to a uh African traditional school. So, uh we did everything all things black all year round and that's where we started. Yep. Miss Dale was my teacher.
0: Where where was this at?
1: This was on Plainview between Warren and like Evergreen.
0: Really? I never heard of that. Yep. They still in business, you know?
1: Uh they moved to the Old Rogers Academy some years ago, but I'm not sure if they're still around, but it was a great great school. Uh shout out to my principal back then, Miss Hopkins. She's still around. Uh like I said, Miss Dale was my teacher. I had I got a great memory.
0: I, I clearly um <laughs> cuz I don't remember shit about the second grade. I'm <laughs> not going to lie to <laughs> you. Yeah, let me ask you this. Totally unrelated, but was there one teacher that just made a difference to you? Oh,
1: Miss Gerhardt. Uh, seventh, seventh and eighth grade literature teacher. She had a grace about herself. Uh, she was white, and she had really thick gray silver hair. But she was very youthful. She was about five nine, and she only wore pink and red nails. And she talked real sexy, and you know, she swathed with a sway about herself. You know, <laughs> and I said she had my desk connected to hers. I was a teacher's pet, so I would grade the papers and you know write in the in the um those little like chart things to put your grades in. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a smart kid. And when my father was murdered, she came to my house. And Mm -hmm. she, uh, no, she didn't come to my house. She called my house. And she put together a violence protection program with the radio. And she was just very hands on with me. Um, she really, really cared about me, and that was very important at a time where I needed someone outside of my house. Even a woman who didn't understand what we were going through growing up in Detroit, you know, but she taught those lost souls, and I'm just so very appreciative of Miss Gerhardt.
0: How, how did you deal with that?
1: Um, poetry. I started writing poetry when I was in the seventh grade, and I didn't deal a whole lot. I was very emotional, severely depressed for a very, very long time of my life. Um, always anything could make me cry, can make me tick, or make me um, my anxiety would be fluttered. Mm -hmm. So, I will always write, that was a great thing for me. Which I went to college for journalism, and I just still did choir, I still was in the band, I was a a percussion, I played percussion and bass drum, I did little plays here and there still, but I lost my way. I like to say sometimes that my dream was deferred because of that.
0: Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you, but
1: purpose and pain—that's why we wrote Justice. So,
0: <laughs> really, mm-hmm. That th- th- was your father being murdered the precipice for the movie.
1: Absolutely. So it is an inspired by story. It's not based on a true story. I want okay. um that is different. People don't really understand what inspired by and based on means. So, basically, it, it sparked my interest. So the film is about two sisters. That work for DPD. We're detectives, and we're trying to find the person that killed our father.
0: And a red. I don't know her real name. Uh, yes, is.
1: Angelia Spite. That's my sister. Oh. That's one of my good friends. Love Angel.
0: Definitely one of my favorite actresses. Yes, that's my girl. Uh, yeah, it's like it's, it for, for especially for the 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 actresses in the Detroit independent scene. It would be you, her, uh, Elizabeth, and what's other? Uh, Love Liz. See, Sierra,
1: yes, Sierra Michelle. She's great. Sierra's getting out there. She's doing major things. I aspire to get where Sierra is right now.
0: What's your strong suit, acting wise?
1: I don't think people have seen it yet. Have you? Um. Yes, I know what I can do. I I want to play those fences roles that Viola Davis played. I want to play those Olivia Pope's. I think that so many people just look at my image, you know, light skin, long hair, shapely and want to put me in a box. Mm-hmm. And I want to kind of get out of that box. I want people to see my range. I want them to give me the southern accent. I want them to I can do so many different things. So, um I want to I want to do those those race films. I want to do those time period films. I want to do a lot of different things.
0: Have you cried yet?
1: Oh yeah, you injustice you're gonna Well I cried in PDA, which you can watch on Urban Flicks, a parental okay. discretion advised. And I also cried in Justice several times.
0: Because um the character in Was that Strange Fruit? hmm Not not the character you played. The uh the young lady that uh Crystal really Dow played. I'm not sure what her name is, but she caught the the, the, the main character. Yes, that's
1: Crystal. And, mm-hmm. and
0: she caught hell towards the end. Like the whole playground thing, like I, I, that didn't, her pain reminded me of you, not necessarily really? how, yeah, not not necessarily what she dealt, how she dealt with it or anything like that. But when I, when I watched that interview, I, I could sense, and I could see the pain that you still got.
1: Yeah. I still got, uh, I'll say that writing this film triggered a lot of things that I thought I had put away. Okay, And It's nothing wrong with, you know, revisiting trauma sometimes because it's all about, to me, building humility and also building strength. I think a lot of times we don't want to show our vulnerability and it's nothing wrong with that. I tell people all the time, like, therapy is a forever ending process. Grieving is a forever ending process. Trauma is forever. Like, you're never just going to get over those things. And sometimes you don't know how to get through it until it's triggered. So that's where I'm at now. 20 years later, my dad's uh, deceased 20 years, December 7th. I'm revisiting that pain that I had, that I dealt with when I was 12.
0: So. Wow. What, what's what been the perfect role for you thus far? Justice. Oh, so this is the one for you.
1: This is the one. And I told somebody that if I can't, if no one wants to put me in those rooms, I'm going to put myself in those rooms. So thank God I have a great a support system that has helped me come to this point.
0: Okay, so moving forward, the role that you'd most like to play, what story is out there that you see yourself being?
1: I want to play Etta James. I want to do a biopic of Etta James. I would love to do that. I kind of, well, I did write a, a, a play when I was in the eighth grade with mm-hmm. my drama teacher where I play Etta James.
0: What, what is it about her story that just does it for you? <sighs>
1: It reminds me a little bit of my granny in a very small way, because my granny um, is, a bi- is biracial and her parents weren't around. They they passed away. It's a lot of different um, theories of who her parents are to her. And she had nine kids at the time. She was 31. Just a lot of trauma in her life. They both were heavier set, light-skinned women. I think that kind of struck me about Etta James. But just the fact that she had a voice and this, she she took over airwaves like she really broke barriers. She really did a lot. But it just those drugs took over her life to a point where it's it made her stagnant. And she couldn't be the person that she really could have been. You know, she could have been that Aretha Franklin. And although she's in conversations, we don't talk about Etta James enough.
0: I don't know if it's a uh, I think it's just time timing well you know blues was was it was uh-huh. it's not it's not blues is not big to us anymore
1: no it's not it's not and I think that we could get back there if we become knowledgeable about it and there's so many young people that aren't interested just don't know you know and I think that when we tell those stories and I'm big on music I love everything about the guitar the piano like the sound of music. Mm-hmm. And just to hear that back then, where everyone they were making sounds on beats with their hands and their feet, and just it was just a different time. And I really would love to tell that story.
0: Well, technology has robbed of, robbed us of our ingenuity to an extent.
1: Yeah, and creativity completely.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is, I mean, it's, it's added to it, but it's also taken a lot too. It
1: absolutely has. It's it's it allowed us. It allows us not to think as much because everything is at our fingertips.
0: So. Where Where's the poetry record?
1: Um, I'm writing a book that I've been writing for four years. It's called Not So Deaf Poet. So it's a poetic memoir where I get mm-hmm. more in depth of my life. I even speak on my granny's story, my dad's story. People don't know he went to HBCU. I speak on relationships. And every story has a poem that goes with it. I even include my Twitter writings, some of my Instagram writings. Um, but I've done a couple like poetry slams at Punchline. Um yeah
0: no but like malcolm jamal warner puts out uh he puts he puts out poetry albums yeah that you could autobooks audiobooks no no they're like just the albums like an album with music behind it the whole night
1: Mm.
0: yeah you got you got some dope shit too
1: it is as a friend of mine i did a soundtrack with my movie um it's featuring a lot of great Detroit artists. Uh, I don't want to say Detroit artists. They're just from Detroit because these guys mm-hmm. are global. Babyface Ray, Baby Money, Tabi, Payroll, Boldy James, D-Rick, et cetera. How did you do that? <laughs> I am thankful that I have great relationships with people. And I've known a lot of these guys since we were kids. And I just picked up their phone and they were very eager and adamant to help me make this happen.
0: And shout out to my manager, Rita. She's a music supervisor. Phenomenal.
1: Oh yes. Karita put it together actually. So she did all my paperwork. She helped me process everything for the um for the soundtrack and for the film music as well. Love Rita. Rita actually brought me on set on audition for my first professional play. Um for Joe Smith, Diamond Girls. This I was, was just in about like, to say that. Yep. This was in like uh Ooh, 2011 or 10. I wasn't quite ready yet, but Mm -hmm. I ended up landing the role in 2017 and we did it uh, with Joe Smith. So shout out to Karina. She's always believed in me. Always, always.
0: What do you prefer, uh, movies or the play?
1: Plays. I love theater. I love the rawness of theater. It's like one and done. Like you can't go back. You gotta know your lines. It's the drama. It's the adrenaline. It's the feeling of like, i can I can grasp it that's what I love about about uh, theater,
0: yeah, I couldn't do that, man. I'd be scared of shitless.
1: <laughs> you don't even see the people. It's so many lights on you, you can't even see nobody,
0: yeah, but I know they're there,
1: okay, I guess, yeah, <laughs> and
0: I can hear them, yeah, you know, especially our people, you know we we gonna we gonna talk you through it,
1: they're gonna scream at what they're <laughs> they gonna do everything? <laughs> Like, I can't deal with that shit. But I will say working for Joe Smith, I I, I would suggest anyone in Indy to work under Joe Smith at some point. Because although he's a soft spoken and although he's a, a, a God theory man, he's a stickler. And he kind of to me operates his uh productions like real Hollywood mm-hmm. in a sense of like there's no change in the the scripts. If he says, say, ha-ha, you have to say, ha-ha. Like, there's no ad-libbing. There's complete structure from beginning to the end. And Hollywood is like that. I took some classes with Tasha Smith online, Dark Ovid, and mm-hmm. it's just like that.
0: Do you prefer that? Or, or, I mean, would you prefer to be able to kind of ad-lib? Because I, I, I remember every- you said... I remember you saying the difference between like uh, Moolah films Mm -hmm. and like a Dennis Reed film. Yeah, like Moolah is
1: gonna let you if it if it rolls. Thomas is gonna say let it grow, and they like that um, uncut, that raw. It works for them. They're very unorthodox. It works Mm -hmm. for them. Um, Dennis has his mind made up with a lot of different stuff, right? And although he'll let you go in and, and tweak some stuff. If it's not what he's looking for he's not gonna let you do it where joe smith is not gonna let you tweak anything mm. i think that it depends <laughs> on the script okay and i think and what i do believe as an actor and as an artist period you have to study your role even if it's something that you've never done before or that you have done before every role requires you to perform differently and I think that in Indie, especially right now, we're not getting enough range to do that when it comes to the scripts. So that's why I'm appreciating the new scripts that we're receiving from DR2 and from Moolah and other great um, production companies around the city. They're giving us a little bit
0: more to work with. I think those two specifically have the most range that I've seen.
1: Definitely. And what and what Dennis is bringing the end of this year is mm-hmm. something that we have not seen. Period. He's breaking thrillers. We haven't seen any thrillers out the city, um, not to this extent. Shout out to Velda Hunter, amazing and obsession. Shout out to China, Borderline Boss. She has wrote her second uh, film, Please, and starred in. And I think Please is going to take us to a whole nother level.
0: Wait a minute. Who's China? Is that the one who started Get Paid?
1: Yes, she was the writer and director of Get Paid as well.
0: Okay, um, Sarah
1: Ebalt is her real name.
0: <laughs> really? Yes. I, is she from Detroit?
1: She is born and raised in Detroit. She went to Redford High School. She went to Mercy High School. She well, is. That's a- unfortunately from-
0: She had to go to Redford. <laughs> <just> <laughs> saying.
1: But she is. I think people think that everything about her is met, she, that she is authentically herself. If nothing else, everything that China depicts is herself from front to back. And she is a real city girl.
0: I don't know. Like I, I, I like her. I really and a beautiful woman. Um, it. If you grow up in Detroit, you don't see too many others. No. Nope. So especially for my generation, it's like ninety nine percent black people.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's adopted by a white family, so she and has a great story as well.
0: Really. Mm-hmm. That that just because she sounds complete like if if, <laughs> if you got your back to her she sounds like she yeah off of Chalmers and Mac yeah
1: <laughs> and she went to Mercy so she's a bright girl she's very bright yeah oh
0: okay um how many movies have you been in so far
1: I think eleven. That, one. That, that would include that, that you didn't write. Yeah, Favorite I would, one
0: outside of justice.
1: Oh, outside of justice, I would say eleven. That would okay. include McGraw and Street Legal, I think.
0: I love McGraw. Half.
1: I love McGraw. I want Thomas to expand my role as a female cop. I think they need to see more of that. It's such a male-dominated show, and I get it, but you need the softness of a woman but still be hard at the same time. We you need female eye candy on TV.
0: Well yeah. Um how do you study to be a cop though? Like, like do I, I watched go- the wire? I
1: watched the wire and the female remember the female cop on the wire she was Asian and black. She was a lesbian
0: okay I'm gonna be completely honest. I didn't watch much of the wire.
1: Okay so I during COVID so we originally shot um uh, McGraw 2017. It did not okay. drop till 2020. Okay. So, going into season two, I, it was down for COVID, and I watched every season of The Wire during COVID. Um, I was hoping, of course, that they would expand my role too, so I can really show more of that. But mm-hmm. in essence, it didn't matter. I still was, I, I believe McGraw is going to really take off more, and I'm just thankful to be in a position to be a part of it. So, I'm just going to take, take what I can get. Like, I'm not a person that. I'm not
0: stupid. I know where it's going, so yeah. Like it for for me, that is the best show in that genre. Oh, for sure.
1: Period. That is the Detroit Wire. If you watch the Wire, that is our version of the Wire.
0: I know. I I was. uh, We were talking about BMF, and I'm like, dude, you know, and I I was telling, I was telling Thomas, like, uh, you know, no, no disrespect to them, but they should have got. Thomas and them, Mula to you do need, BMF.
1: You need it if you if we had the budgets.
0: Oh my god! With
1: the scripts that we if we had the if we had the budgets, oh, they have multi million dollar. But if we had a two hundred thousand on a budget, it could still be really good. But when you're when you're when you're filming movies that are in a in a moment in time, they're a lot more expensive. Yeah. But also when you're filming something so authentically Detroit, it's not New York. So New York is very generic in a way. L.A. Yeah. is generic in a way. You kind of can figure out how to, how to code that. But Detroit is so different, and we need more Detroit writers
0: yes.
1: to help push that. Every yes. time they walk in the door, they're not saying what up, though. We don't do that.
0: Oh, it, makes well,
1: it, it makes it fake.
0: That's not true, though.
1: I say what up, though, but every time I walk into a room or every single time I greet you, I might say what's up, man. I might not say what up, though.
0: Okay, like if, I, if I'm if i coming to your house, when I first get to your house, it's a what up, though. But if I go to the bathroom and then come back into the room, it's not another what up, though.
1: No, and if, if another homeboy hit the door, you might not say what up, though, either. It might just be, what's up, man?
0: It depends. And mom, you know what's crazy? But you know what
1: up, though, thing. is more, that's, y'all kind of created that. Your generation kind of created that, so it might be differently for you. Yeah. But I just think it's an
0: OD of it. <laughs> And you know what? It it I never thought of it that way. You know, because that's my like saying like B
1: in New York. That's like every sentence is like, yeah, hey, what up, yeah, B? Or if yeah. I'm from Philly, like this John. If I say John every five minutes, it's like
0: they do though.
1: They do what they don't. I got some Philly boy. I got some Philly guy. They say boy. They say John. They say other stuff too.
0: Yeah, but it's like every thirty-two. Everything is a John.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everything is a John. It, a John is nothing specific. It's right. a thing. We're, like a John is a noun.
0: It, it's just weird. It's, it's know, a noun. That John over there. Yeah. Yo, that, it, and we just, don't know
1: what the John is. The John could be the shoe, the girl, <laughs> the the pole. We don't know what you You guys just, it's like, if you know, you know.
0: So so you say you went to acting class. Mm-hmm. What what did you take? What, what was the biggest lesson you, you got from acting class?
1: Um, the, so the, the bad part about when I was doing T-Saw is that I was in the middle of filming. He said, she said... Mm-hmm. So I had to end the class early, but I was saddened by that because it was such it, it was it was method acting. So we were we were in there. T- so we had cl- We had um, what, what do you say like um, role plays where I'm talking to my younger self, mm. but I'm acting it out to my younger self, right? But it's really like I'm talking to my younger self, and before you know what you're bawling your eyes out and and the whole class on zoom is crying like it was therapy in that class like shout out to tasha smith great class great teachers great instructors like it was lit we got to also talk to lee daniels he popped in on us tasha smith popped in on us so it was really lit Like i really want to go to la and do the one on like a more personal class Mm
0: -hmm. so what's stopping you
1: i don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know and honestly I think after Justice people are going to see me more and I'm I'm praying that it puts me in more more roles Mm -hmm. so I'm going to actually take some classes moving into 2024 because I want to really perfect my craft I'm not the girl that's like oh I've done 12 things in Detroit I don't have to audition anymore like no auditioning is important because it's conditioning you for something it's allowing you to, to see your competition uh, it's, it's humbling. It builds character, uh, A-list actors audition for roles.
0: So what, what's your weakness right now?
1: I talk too fast. So I will stumble my words sometimes. And that's also something I plan to do moving forward is to take some speech classes to slow mm. me down.
0: Mm. How'd you recognize? I mean, you recognize this? Or this is what's I recognize
1: like- it mm-hmm. really. Yeah. I'm a fast talker. My whole family talks fast. But sometimes I'll get, I'll stutter. I was a stutterer growing up too. I used to stutter. Okay. And I got out of that, but, so sometimes I'll pause a while to try to make sure I'm gathering and I can't do that either. I have to just have a steady flow and take the necessary breaths to continue the dialogue.
0: How long does it take you to remember uh, your lines of the script?
1: Mm -hmm. Not long. But that's the bad part about film because I can learn my lines the night before for a scene. Mm-hmm. But in mm. on stage, you got to know that shit months in advance. And you have to know the other person's lines too because you're feeding off of that.
0: Oh, wow. So what happens when the other person's screwing up?
1: It fucks everything up. Either you're going to catch it and you could you could bring it back or it's going to completely fumble it.
0: So have you have you had that happen before on stage? Yes.
1: Yes. Diamond Girls. Um, great actress. Uh she's 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 a um seasoned in theater as far as professional theater. So she wanted to game us and school us and had a lot of lot to say. And I was able to receive it and take it in. Other people were a little bit taken aback from it, but she was an OG, and that's what OGs do. But she was the only one that actually fucked up the words. <laughs> And we would stand there, like, right? <laughs> not you, not, not, the, not the queen. You
0: oh.
1: <laughs> not you fucked it up. And I'm the and I'm the me and Tristan for uh, for Drakey. Shout out to Tristan. We were me, Tristan, Rich Carter, which is Maserati Rick's son. We were the ones that had never done professional theater. I had done plays growing up, but mm-hmm. we were the first ones to ever do perfect. We were newbies. So, you know, it was kind of like, damn, we I, we would expect for us to mess it up, and we didn't. But it turned out great. It was a great show. We did two shows that day, that weekend, and it was really good. I, I want to bring plays back.
0: Yo, Maserati Rick's son? Yeah,
1: Richard Carter. He's done some, he did Diamond Girls, the, the movie as well with Joe Smith.
0: Yo, I, 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 I that, that was so, man. That yeah,
1: that's it. my that's family for me. We we really like family. So yeah,
0: his well, mother I, took
1: me to get baptized. <laughs> so
0: because I grew up down the street from the car wash where he unfortunately got shot. Okay, wow. Yeah, and I remember you know I I remember like that like I was I don't know I'm in high school I think I was in high school when all that transpired. So that was like you know that car wash was notorious for dudes of you know in his lane of that stature. Mm-hmm a lot of yeah. dudes got shot there and yet they never closed down and people still really? people still went there
1: that i would be like no it's dark it's an omen
0: you would think so but <laughs> <laughs> it, it it man and i cuz i remember and we okay i'm sorry I, no Rita, I, stop I, it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all the yeah that that would be i would be interested in talking to that guy
1: i can put that together for you
0: okay that would be a uh, So so what is the future for you? The
1: the future for El Brianna and Elmatic Productions is more um, soundtracks. I want to DJ Khaled some more of those things. More writing, more directing, more producing. Even um, things that are not my own, that I have not Mm. created myself, I want to do more production. Um, I really like the behind the scenes of film. Uh, whether it's shows, uh, you know, sitcoms or series, or thing, like I said, things I might not credit myself. I just love to sit around a room full of creatives and putting our heads together and building something. So, moving forward in 2024, I am writing my next script right now. Uh, hopefully, we will film the spring. I'm hoping mm-hmm. to film the spring. And if everything goes right, uh Robin Rose will be my lead. I love Robin. She did. She was a star in Predators. Really, really great actress in her DR2 productions. And Dewan Ford would be my lead. Love Dewan Ford too. That's family. He's amazing as well. So I'm working towards that. I'm just throwing those names out there. <laughs> and also working towards producing my own show.
0: How do you decide who should go in what role? You got
1: uh it's again about studying. When you write a character, you should have someone in mind. You know, and from the get-go, even when I casted Justice, I hand-selected every actor. I knew what I wanted them to do. Because sometimes people will write these roles Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: throw the most popular person in it. And it doesn't fit them. It doesn't doesn't do them any justice to actually play this character. Yeah. So, and then you also get those roles that typecast you. But at the same time, if you're good at that, be good at that. You might not have the range. But you might be stuck in, in as a Jennifer Lewis role where she's always that person, or Gabrielle Union where she's always that person, and that's okay because it gets them paid and they're me- they're remembered as those roles. But then some people have the range, or you might see them and say, "Hey, they might could have the range to do something." So every person even with this next script, I have wrote down who I want to play. Each person.
0: Okay. So behind the scenes, same question: How did you decide like who? who's editing, who's you know, who's going to be behind the camera
1: Um, I would think, you know Dennis of course has cut, put in a heavy hitter team of great people Uh, Pistol mm-hmm. Pete behind the camera as the director of photography, we got Spud for editing Um, it's also just allowing people to be good at what they're good at, mm-hmm. you also have to provide the funds, because I can be good, but if I'm limited on funds, I can't give you the best experience, right? Mm-hmm. So all that takes account. And then also, I'm, I'm sure researching and studying people. I'm sure that you you had your good and your bad and you're okay. And, you know, I think that everyone should always go back to school or always just research or always just study to be the very best in whatever field you're doing.
0: How did you deal with the depression? Um, God,
1: praying, church, sisterhood, family, just b- being able to rely on people to pray with me and not pray on me and people to introduce me to God in a different way and actually know God for myself and know that I have felt him in every path of my life, you know, and this has been happening since I was a kid, just to think back, you know, I went to Lutheran schools, I went to Catholic schools, I've always had faith somewhere in my life. And I always have to rely on God in every decision that I make, um, every downtime, every great time. I praise God no matter where I'm at, no matter what my circumstances are.
0: So what were the low points as an
1: adult? Um, low points were traumatic relationships. I've dealt with some of really tough relationships. I was always very, um, had low self-esteem when it came to my weight and my body. Uh, that was very hard growing up being the thickest girl. And I always, I had stretch marks at 11 or 12 and cellulite. And most young girls don't have to experience that. I felt like I've never had anything that was for me. Mm-hmm. And just having to love myself despite that. And then also knowing that pretty only lasts for so long. But this is everything. This is everything. So. When I leave here, they're gonna say she was a cute girl, but she was so smart and she was so loving and she was so empathetic and she was so talented. And I think those words um reign presidents over everything. So once I started to understand that everything wasn't physical, that's how I got past that point. And I still struggle with that. I went through a, ga- a weight gain last year, and I I went back to my eleven year old self where I didn't like myself and I was. Upset and I was lashing out, and I was like, Oh my god, I thought I was past this, but the reason I was past it was because I was happy where I was, it was a trigger of getting back to where I didn't want to be anymore, mm-hmm. and that's what brought that depression back again.
0: I wow, you, you know, it's and and I think that that that's like a uh, geez, I almost a punishment of of being beautiful is that people don't allow you to have mental difficulties or challenges
1: or to feel human or to say um i don't like this about myself people don't want to hear that and then i always say too, like black people aren't human we're black people we aren't allowed to feel anything
0: man say that
1: we're not allowed i'm not allowed to say i'm having a bad day i'm not allowed to say i'm angry because if i'm angry i'm an angry black woman You know, and and your bad day is, oh, what's wrong with her? No, I'm just simply having a bad day. Or if I want to take a personal day, if something has to be wrong with me, no, I just need time to save space for myself. We aren't allowed to do that. And not even within our own community, we're having a hard time understanding that I'm going to have a moment that. Has nothing to do with you and all to do with me. And it's about picking myself up, brushing my knees off, and keep it moving. But I'm still allowed to sit in this space
0: mm-hmm.
1: and deal with this space. Because if I ignore it and I keep doing shit and moving fast, it's gonna tomorrow will be the same problem.
0: So how do you how do you get rid of the baggage of a bad relationship?
1: I pray, I ask God for strength every single day. I would chant it. Give me strength. Give me strength. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. And it was also realizing that I deserved better and that life was too short to be sad because, I mean, if no one knows what death is, I've experienced a lot over my lifetime and I just my papa passed away and I just was like you know what? I don't want to be this girl anymore. I didn't like myself. I was mean. Mm. I was emotional. I would be the person walking around and be like, damn, here she go. I didn't want to be that and I knew it was something else in me. You know, I, I knew who I was before this relationship, although I was very young when I got in the relationship. So it was knowing that we all make mistakes. I still contributed something in the demise of this relationship. I still affected him in some sort of negative way as well. It wasn't just all him. I I allowed a person to treat me that way. So also moving forward to not allow someone to treat me that way. And just forgiveness. I literally had to forgive that person for hurting me and looking at them and saying something is wrong with someone that wants to mistreat people. And Mm. there's also something wrong with the person that allows people to mistreat them.
0: Yeah. So
1: I can work on me. I can't work on you,
0: but I will forgive you and move forward. One of the most difficult things you can do in life is love somebody that doesn't know how to be loved.
1: Yeah. And, and, and knowing that every day my love language changes You know, I, you know, you could say, I like physical touch and words of affirmation today. Tomorrow I may want a gift, some flowers. The next day I may need something else. So every day I'm going to require something different because I'm changing every day and every day I'm just needing something else. So it's being with a person that is receptive to, I'm sorry, receptive to your love languages and receptive to how you need to be loved and no matter your bad day, I think because so much of my generation, we give up fast. We quick to say it didn't work today, and it's never gonna work. I'm over it. And then our grandparents stuck around too long, so it's finding the happy medium of, yeah. Do I see light at the end of the tunnel, or was just just or just worked for what it needs to work for, and it's done.
0: Yeah, knowing when to cut it cut it loose is is a difficult task.
1: Yeah. And you knew before you even cut it loose, it was time to cut it loose. You know, I I've, I've been there too. Like I want to hold on because I'm such a stubborn tourist. I want to prove to everybody that this is gonna work. And at the end of the day, made a fool of myself, and then was okay with that. It was it's about walking away, saying, "Yep, I did it. Yep, it was fucked up, and his loss."
0: So, so are are you in a happy place now?
1: I'm in a very happy place. I am with someone that loves me for. All of my flaws, all of my temperament, all of my moodiness, my smart mouth, but also we have great conversation. We can sit in silence and I still feel heard. Um I am very thankful. And I prayed for this. I did I pray for it. So it is here.
0: Shout out to that man. <laughs> yeah, he's but
1: <laughs> I was happy before I met him. He just is an addition that, to my happiness. That,
0: that, that's the crucial element right there.
1: He's an addition to my happiness. He does not, he isn't the source of my happiness. But in times where I'm not happy with me, he's there to pick me up and say, hey, we can work through this together.
0: See, that's that that is a level of accountability that escapes 99.9% of the women I've encountered. Yeah, women because so because we think that
1: men can plead us. It's, it which, shouldn't be a level of completion,
0: which is true to a certain extent. It's it's almost like a like you don't need an appendix, person. You know, you can live without your appendix, right? But for your body to be optimal, you need an appendix.
1: True enough, right? So, I think that we do need each other. I think that men and women do need each other. Exactly. I do need you, to a degree. But can I still function without my, with, throughout my life without you? Yes.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yes. But at the same time, even with children, right? Mama can raise the baby by herself. But I couldn't make it without you. That's the reason why there's nature and nurture. There's the mother and the father. Every person has a vital role, right? So, of course, we all want a companion. We all want love. But I ain't going to die if I don't have it.
0: Good Lord, it's like you wrote a book on psychology.
1: <laughs> One of my favorite um, uh, classes were was psychology, sociology, and philosophy.
0: What about philosophy did it for you? Is it just a oh, bunch of old dudes giving you one-liners?
1: It was because, you know, Aristotle was a, you know, <laughs> I loved logic. Because logic is, not, and and I'm a very direct person. So, everything I do comes from, I'm analytical, but I'm very direct. And that's what I love about philosophy because this is what it is, in a way.
0: Exactly. You know, I like this, a way. In this a way, is what yeah.
1: it is. It's not theory as much. You know, you, you can have a theory of it. And I guess that's the great conversation piece when it comes, to, but that's another part of philosophy is theory. So, you have theory, you have logic, you have. All these different um umbrellas under the big umbrella.
0: I feel you on that. Yeah. yeah, maybe one. You know, I'm at the point now where I think I'm old enough to to be a philosopher. At least I can lie about shit I did a long time ago, <laughs> and people will believe me. You know, if I tell you, hey, I made up breakdancing. so <laughs> hey like, how old you are? He anyway, got the
1: white goatee. He might have did He might have. You know, he might have did that. He, I, I, he might have you know. <laughs> <laughs> did that. But I, you know, what I like about philosophy is like, like you said, the one-liners. Like Jay Z is a philosophist in his own right. Nas is a, you know, anybody that comes up with great a uh, dialect, a great that uh, is philosophy.
0: Okay, so you a hip hop enthusiast, I hear. Yeah. Who you like?
1: Ninety nine problems with a bitch ain't one.
0: Who you who 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 are you listening to of today?
1: Of today. <laughs> West Side Gun, I love Griselda. I like Griselda, uh, which is West Side Gun, Conway, Being the Butcher, because it reminds me of, like, 90s hip-hop, New York hip-hop, and that's what okay. I grew up on. So they remind me of, like, Wu-Tang. Every, okay. every person is different. I like Stove Guy. I like uh, Corday. I like... uh. I like him. I love Corday. Yeah, I like his whole little group he came from too. Uh, I I got so I have so much different music on my phone, like from Otis Redding to Gwyneth Paltrow to Linkin Park to Tina Marie Heatwave. Like you can listen to anything on my on my phone.
0: Yo, Tina Marie had oh my
1: gosh! I grew up with Tina. My mother played Tina Marie. My mother always played Mary J, Anita Baker, Faith Evans, Tina Marie. Then was her top four?
0: Actually, fire and desire with her and Rick James definitely top three songs of all time for me. That
1: we, me and him, always joked that that's gonna be our wedding song.
0: <laughs> Yo, that I'm telling you, man. That that. that <laughs> when we song, saw
1: someone on Instagram and the man walked out to it. It was like that was player as fuck, and I'm like, we could do that.
0: Okay, well, when you get married?
1: Uh, when the time is right. I think it. I think that love isn't the only factor when it comes to marriage.
0: It is not. Actually liking someone in my opinion is way more important
1: cuz you I always say that I prefer to be liked than loved because love is tolerating yeah. liking is celebrating
0: yeah i love a pair of shoes
1: philosophy boom
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know like, th- throughout the marriage you know the love will will have ebbs and flows mm. you know peaks and valleys yeah um but what gets you through it it's those jokes? Yeah. Or, or you know, that the just being around, enjoying being around somebody, like you said, in silence.
1: Yeah. And, and be able to flirt. I can still flirt with you and still say you look cute. You know, just a little bit of something. Every person needs their ego stroke. That's Man. so important in relationships. It's to stroke your partner's ego. Because oh, although God. the outside world can tell me I'm fine all day, it, it helps value in my household.
0: Well, you know what? I think a lot of women miss the fact that they get dressed up to go outside and look a whole ass mess at the crib.
1: And see, I don't. I don't because I didn't see that growing up. My grandmother kept her hair done. My grandmother wore leather and see-through and snakes skin and, I mean, well into her 60s. Okay? Like, my (laughs) my grandmother was always...
0: She was with the shits.
1: Yes. And my grandfather would buy her those outfits. Like, she always looked good. And my mother always had lingerie. Even as a single woman, she wore lingerie. My aunt, same thing. Like, they have so many pieces of lingerie, and so so do I. So, yeah, he gonna gonna see me with my scarf on and the t-shirt some days. And then other days, I'm gonna go to bed cute, you know?
0: that's what's up I,
1: I, <laughs> now i don't have no babies yet so i don't know what's gonna happen when i have a kid but <laughs> at least you know it's like at the end of the tunnel and, and one thing about me that he knows and people know i love to get dressed i love to look good so me looking down is only gonna happen i'm, I'm wearing heels majority of the week if i have to like i'm not i a, don't know
0: how y'all do that shit that's shit yeah. so painful
1: so I had a 70s party for my birthday this year. And he wore platforms for like four hours. <laughs> and I was like, you could take him off the Pussy Gym shoes. Oh, he was like, No, I'm gonna dug it out. Like <laughs> he wore them platforms. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh, I couldn't do it. That's I, I, I just I don't know who who designed high heels. <laughs> they look good ha-
1: though.
0: A woman in heels look good. Yeah.
1: It's something about a woman in heels that especially if she can walk in them and she can strut and have confidence in the way she moves in heels. It's I used to watch my mother and my aunt and my cousins, and i would just would be like, they just bad. They just always looked good. They always had lipstick on and their hair was always done and nails and they always had they just always glowed. And it wasn't getting dressed for the man. Like they got dressed for themselves. That's important. Like I wanna see myself look good. I look in the mirror.
0: Oh, you look great at the uh, premiere too.
1: Thank you, thank you. The
0: the the dress was phenomenal.
1: Thank you so much. That was a Chloe Kardashian um inspo.
0: (laughs) Whatever it was. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what advice do you have for young ladies looking to follow in your footsteps?
1: Don't follow your own footsteps. Start your own path. Your own journey. Most importantly, love yourself. Even at times where it can be difficult, find something about yourself to love because when you love yourself, everyone around you will follow suit. Um, Education is key. Never stop learning. Never stop listening. You don't know everything. You will never know everything. Listen to the elders. Even if it's what not to do, you listen. And be healthy Work out (laughs) and always have your own bag because nobody can control your pocketbook but you. Well
0: that sounds like following your footsteps. Yes and no. Yes, nothing wrong. You know, it's nothing wrong with blazing the trail.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I could do I I I have a problem taking compliments sometimes and I always feel like I can do more. I always feel like I can do more. I could be I could be further. So that's something that I'm battling within myself that I got
0: to figure out. Well, you know, the footsteps don't have to make a, a, a diagram. They just have to get from point A to point B. This is true. This is true.
1: I And I also say, go for the gusto. Go for the gusto. Don't be scared of nothing. And home is always here. Get the fuck away from here. I wish that I would have done that.
0: So what fear, what was the biggest fear you had to overcome? Struggling.
1: Failure, not knowing that failure builds character. Failure, you're going to fail to get up and do it again and do something else until you figure it out. But I come from a family where my grandfather grew up in Jim Crow South and he was scared of anything outside of what he knew and he projected that onto me. Mm -hmm. I don't, I understand why he was the way he was. He called himself protecting me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was a disservice to me. Because I wasn't allowed to live my life and, and I think if i I think if my father was alive, I would have done that because he left and went to school. I think that I would have left, and that would have been a, that would have been a whole different path for me,
0: although I will say that 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 that's one of the beauties of Detroit is the ability to see black people on every spectrum of any totem pole you can think of.
1: Yeah, and when we okay. walk in rooms, we are the present in the room. Yes, and
0: you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get that other places. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know, so. especially
1: right now. Right now, Detroit is like it was in the '60s.
0: I don't know, cause uh, I seen a white dude walking the poodle.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's gentrified. This is gentrified Detroit. But oh, far oh as black God. people and where we stand in Detroit, this is monumental for us. And it's only gonna get better.
0: I hope so. Yeah. You know, because uh, like I live in Cleveland now, and you know, but I have my kids and I got grandkids there, so I'm I'm back pretty frequently. And what I see, man, is I was it's arguing a- with somebody online about some fucking uh, park that been built out there that oh. connects the communities and shit. I'm oh, like, that's oh, a black about, people. Uh,
1: in Campus Marshes.
0: I don't know where this park is at. It is
1: definitely white. It is definitely white, but that's on the topic We can talk about politics. We allowed them to take over our city.
0: Exactly, and that's what so I'm saying. we
1: gave them the key, and not to knowing that Kwame had a lot of this shit in his back pocket already. He had a lot that he saw for the city that he wasn't able to do, right? But whatever. But we gave them the city, so what do we expect? So now you go downtown, you ain't got no ribs, you ain't got no chicken, you ain't got nothing good. If you want a good place, you not gonna flood. That's the best you're gonna get.
0: Well, sloppy crabs is pretty, pretty fucking. I, I work. Stuff. I
1: just left Sloppy Crab working there. Sloppy Crab does have good food as well, but I mean like southern food, soul okay.
0: food. Yeah,
1: we don't have any of that downtown. I mean Joe Lewis is okay, but that's the that's the that not the heart of downtown. Okay, downtown is completely whitewashed.
0: Man, like I'm old enough to remember when when Greek Town was built, not Greek Town, but when the, uh uh where the casino was at. Okay. When that building was built, oh man, that shit was like, oh. We thought that shit was just the, the, <laughs> the best. Like it was fucking the aliens dropped in the middle of the city and shit, man. We went down. We used to have fun down there. But it was Wasn't that
1: didn't Dennis Archer build up Greek town?
0: I don't know if it was Dennis Archer or, or a combination. I think it might have been a combination of him and Coleman Young. And oh, I can't remember if it was somebody in between it was somebody in between them. You know, but it was like uh like uh Coleman Young did the people mover. hmm And I just uh, even as a kid, I thought that was the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> Coleman means-
1: Young, whether black people wanna admit it or not, he didn't do nothing for Detroit.
0: Oh, you know, you were so wrong. He did a lot for Detroit. You think though? Oh, absolutely.
1: I think that he I, I don't know. From my research in school, I took a Michigan history class. It seemed like he done much more disservice than the service.
0: He showed us that we didn't have to take shit from them white folks.
1: That's what he showed us.
0: But what he didn't
1: do was elevate us. uh, Because for one thing, no one... That right there there
0: elevated us.
1: Okay, but no one should stay in office that long.
0: They just shouldn't. We
1: need brighter and bigger ideas. He was in office, what, 40 years? 30 years?
0: No. I don't think he was in there that long. But I, there, there, there's there's some merit to what you're saying as far as the longevity in office.
1: Yeah,
0: sometimes it's out of pocket.
1: Think about know. Engler as governor; way too long.
0: You know, like yeah, he like the man definitely wasn't perfect, complete no. asshole at times. Yeah, um,
1: he just put a he just made us feel like black was everything, and it is. Yeah, and he stood up for himself, and he stood up for us. But I still think he could have done more when it came to. The innovation of Detroit, besides he, the people moving,
0: he understood. See, see what we don't, we don't, we still don't get is the value of the water.
1: Uh, exactly, this is true. This is true. That,
0: that's why them white folks really want Detroit back. Mm-hmm. It ain't because it, it it's just such a great city to them, or they just. It's because controlling that water controls at least the lower half of Michigan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And nobody want to talk about that shit.
1: That's what I said.
0: It's a different story for a different day. <laughs> it's a different story for a different day. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they go about doing that?
1: I'm on all social media platforms, L-E-L-L-E, period, Rihanna, B-R-E-A-U-N-N-A.
0: And, yo, if you have, you know, when you're writing something and, and you got an old, fat, black dude's uh, <laughs> part.
1: Come get up hit my boy up. in
0: Cleveland. Right. Hit me As up. My I'll be my cousin
1: say, Cleveland. <laughs> my
0: cousin (laughs) Cleveland. yo i got a shout out rita for the for the plug um yeah absolutely enjoyable talking to you thank
1: you so much i enjoy speaking with you as well and i got you and put you together with ricky
0: that's what's up i like that um if you need anything please don't hesitate to let me know and i got you
1: thank you so much for having me i appreciate the conversation thank you what you're doing what you're doing for the black community and keep it going wish oh. you nothing but success and financial money. increases
0: oh, yeah, I, I, could, oh, I, I could use some money that's for sure <laughs> me too <laughs> so, I, you know i wish you nothing but the biggest bag possible
1: <laughs> period and that god prepares you on how to spend it okay
0: oh, man i don't go nowhere nah i'm all clubbed out the grandbabies well yeah they won't know i ain't telling them i got no money (laughs) that's a whole ass lie (laughs) because
1: you gonna spend all granddaddy gonna spend all the money
0: oh my god yeah i'm such a sucker (laughs) anyway (laughs) on that note uh, i do appreciate you for stopping by and you have a phenomenal evening
1: you as well peace
0: out (laughs) peace out come on now you all already know man um just a beautiful person inside and out. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation, and hopefully you did too. This has been Jobs. This has been another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio. Please do not forget to like, share, to subscribe. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck I'm supposed to say with all that. You already know, man. Hit the YouTube up. Uh, shout out to Reader for the plug. On that note, oh, and don't forget, when justice drops, make sure you tap in and go watch it 17 times a piece. Um, on that note, I'm out. Y'all have a good one. Oh, oh, before I do that, who we got next week? Uh I think we got REB next week at five o'clock. At... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just happened to read a text. Uh and Bobby Baymont uh at seven o'clock. So Oh man, um that's gonna be a, a couple fires. We got some fire shit. we always got fire shit. Um, but we really got some fire shit coming up, man. I'm looking at at, at a couple in particular, yo. But in, in, in December we got a brother that swims with sharks. Like, what other brother have you ever seen that? I've seen this shit. I said we have got to get this man on the show, if for another, no other reason. However, this man's got an incredible fucking superhero story as a background. You, you, you're gonna love this one. Um. Anyway, we out of here. Y'all have a good one.